All right, well, good morning, Hope Covenant Church. Today is Monday. It is the day after Easter. He is risen. He's risen indeed. And on Mondays, we post a podcast called Stories of Hope. And this is a continuation of a series that we uh, did through the season of Lent. And we are no longer in the season of Lent, but we felt like this had such good uh, credits and, uh, and value for the church to hear from real people who are navigating faith and life. And so sitting across from me is the, is the wonderful uh, Nicole Cook. And uh, Nicole Cook has been involved in a number of ministries here at Hope Covenant. She is a, um, a, a uh, InterVarsity staff person who is working on St. Cloud State's campus. And I thought um, Nicole has been actually been a part of our live streaming. She's been the person that has been on the other side of the chat room and uh, has been such an instru- instrumental piece of the of the process, we thought, man, let's get her on Stories of Hope. So good morning, Nicole Cook. Yeah, good morning, and good morning, Hope family. I'm really excited to get to share this morning. So we have uh, seven questions. These are similar to the questions that we've been asking through the season of Lent, although I modified a couple of them. Uh, we begin, Nicole, with some basic biographical information. Where did you grow up? Uh, what is or was your job? Tell us a little bit about your family. And I'm just going to say on the front end, one of the reasons why I really like Nicole Cook, this is a very minor <laughs> reason, uh, is that she's from my hometown as well. So we both mm. hail from the good city of good Rochester, Rochester, Minnesota. And, uh, and uh, proud of that. And uh, that's, again, I felt like there was a kindred connection with <laughs> Nicole when we first met. And then I heard she's from Rochester, and I thought, oh, there it is. That is why. Yep, Rochester and Mayo High School. And Mayo, That's right, Mayo High School, uh, which is shaped as a donut. Yes, all circular. Uh, Nicole, was there a door at Mayo High School that you associated yourself <laughs> more with than any other? Actually, I had two doors. Um, so door six, no, that's not right. Shoot, I want to forget all the doors. No, door six was the, the, the main entrance. Uh Door one, mm-hmm. one was where the swim team lockers let okay. out, and so that's where I was got picked up after after school, and then door I think it was two, was where the band room was closest to, and so I spent most of my time in with the swim team and then in the marching band. So door six back in the day, that's where all of the athletes yeah. and yeah. like quote unquote popular people mm-hmm. uh, would congregate. Uh, so I wasn't there. Um, then uh, <laughs> Me I, either. Yeah. So I door one was always kind of the studious door. Yep. So I, you know, had a few connections there. Door four was actually my door, mm. and that's where it was like the soccer team uh, would hang out, and we'd play hacky sack because no one else would want to hang out there. <laughs> so we would play battle hacky sack at door four during our whatever breaks we would have. <laughs> And it was super fun. And uh, but I so I always associated myself more with door four than nice. any of the doors. Nice. No one else knows this context. Yeah, yeah. This is just for us. <laughs> so Nicole, give us a little bit of background uh, about you, uh, information that maybe people uh, don't necessarily know about you. Yeah. Well, personally, um, I'm an S or ISTJ, if that means anything to you. Spell that out real quick. Uh, introvert. No. Oh my gosh, I'm getting this wrong. ESTJ, extrovert, sensing thinking and judging and so if you know Myers-Briggs look it up a bunch of people are going to do now some yeah. sort of like deep psychological yeah. and then right. more importantly I'm a one wing nine on the Enneagram there you go and so also look that up um yeah no I am uh the second of four daughters in my family um I 
have always considered myself to be uh, the peacekeeper in my family. Um, and I, I kind of pride myself that I wasn't like the classic middle child problem child where you're just whining and want attention. Um, and then uh, maybe a year ago, I was reading something that also said that peacekeeper syndrome is also a middle child syndrome. <laughs> and so I was like, my world came crushing down when I realized that. Um. And again, for those that are curious about Enneagram, that is where the nine uh, comes in. That is the, the peacemaking uh, side, the personality of the, of the nine. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, uh, grew up in Rochester. My first job was um, a Subway sandwich artist. Um, and so that job served me really well. Is that the one over on Second Street by um, by the City Hall? No, it's the one um, across from Cub Foods on oh. the south southeast side. Not too far from Mayo. Yeah, not too far from Mayo. There you go. Yeah. Um, and uh, let me think. What else? Um, grew up uh, watching a ton of movies with my dad. Um, for our family, movie watching is like a sport, and we might get three movies in per night. Um, and so that was really formative for my childhood, is watching a whole lot of movies. Um, I used to tell people I grew up on scary movies. I don't watch a ton of scary movies now, so I have to kind of brace myself when I go home. But we'd watch anything from rom-coms to dramas to action. So superhero movies, is I'm all for that. Um, yeah. And uh, Does your dad have a favorite genre of movie? Or a genre oh. movie that was your favorite for the two of you to watch together? Yeah, actually, we like we really enjoyed the superhero movies, of course. But I would say that some of our favorite movies were what we called the thinkers. And these were most often like either like interesting sci-fi movies or like real life dramas. Kay. And that, you know, after you watch it, you're just like, that was a thinker. And so some of my favorite memories growing up were, uh, you know, sitting on the couch with my dad and just having long discussions about um, life and just interest, like trying out interesting ideas. And so I feel like uh, he really helped me to be open minded and curious about life. The movies. movie that I thought about from a thinking perspective right off the bat was the movie Inception. Oh, yeah, we definitely. That's a thinker. <laughs> that's definitely a thinker movie. So that's what yeah. I, when you said that that's the that's the movie that came came to mind. Yeah. Nicole, when you think about your um, your life, uh, is there one or two or three kind of defining moments for you, whether it was in your childhood or or even your you know young adult years? What are some of those defining moments, kind of where things began to pivot mm -hmm. in a, in a new direction or a modified direction? Yeah. Well, the biggest pivot in my life was definitely coming to college. I went to uh, UMD University of Minnesota Duluth. Um, and, uh, was, yeah, was my decision to follow Jesus early on. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, another pivoting moment would have been, um, my call to ministry, which that's not very early on. I was trying to think of a pivoting moment early on in my childhood. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really grateful for the, the uh, really positive upbringing I had and just really surrounded by love and um, a vision of, you know, pursue what makes you happy mm -hmm. and um, follow your heart uh, kind of um, I ideals. Um, and so, yeah, so being able to kind of figure out where, where is my heart and, and actually 
meet the person <laughs> that that created my heart mm-hmm. and is is leading me um, was really significant. Yeah. yeah, you even mentioned this even before we we started this, just the the value that. Um, your parents kind of instilled in you in terms of, again, promoting that curiosity yeah, and discovering kind of, again, that sense of call. And maybe we wouldn't, you, they wouldn't use the same language, but it had that same kind mm-hmm, of definitely. idea or, yeah. or purpose just about kind of that sense of discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And life is about figuring out who you are and, and um, digging into what, um, for them, it, it would be like, what makes you happy? Um, and so, um when I came to college, I just found immense joy in asking deeper questions. And, and I found a community of people that really loved Jesus. And that was, that strikes some curiosity in me because that had never been something that was lived out in a really obvious way. And um, so that was really formative for me. Do you remember, was there a moment when you knew that University of Minnesota Duluth was your school? Was there, I'm just curious, because again, I think that that, Obviously, that that place is a significant place for you in terms of of decisions and and course of life. But I'm just curious, <laughs> how did you even choose that school? Uh, I think I chose it because it was a beautiful city. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I I had toured both, I toured and applied to both the main U and then in Duluth, and I actually got into the main U, which I was like ecstatic about. I like didn't think I was going to be smart enough get, to get in. Um, but then I, I ultimately decided to go with um, U, uh, UMD. And um, yeah, it's just a, such a beautiful city. And I just felt like that was a sweet spot to be in. Um, I think when I really felt like, okay, this is like, I like being here, was when I figured out how to navigate the campus. Because I don't know if anyone knows much about UMD, but it's like all one building, like a bunch of buildings together. And you could be on one, f- and, and it's built on a hill. And so you could be on the first floor of one building and you literally walk in a straight line and all of a sudden you're in another building on the second floor or the third floor. And it's like, what? So figuring out the maze <laughs> of, of this huge campus uh, that's just multiple buildings just built right next to each other, like not skywalks, just yeah. right next to each other. Yeah. When you think about people that have been influential. So there are moments that you feel like, are right, these are pivotal changes for you. Uh, who are some of the people in your life that have been really influential uh, over your, your lifetime? Yeah. Well, that, it's definitely a hard question to answer because there's definitely a lot of people, and I think about the ways in which, um, like, I think I owe a lot of my personality to experiences I had with my grandparents. Um like creativity on my dad's side and then kind of like a eth- uh, heart, like good work ethic on my mom's side. That's coming from more of like a farming ag- agricultural um, heritage. Um, yeah. And, and then I think about the, the people that I met in college that really shaped me and um, that as they were being formed <laughs> Uh, in their own adulthood, uh, we were, you know, iron sharpening iron. Um, and one of those people uh, is actually my current roommate, Constance. Mm. So we were we were friends in college, both a part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, um, both a part of the same freshman Bible study. Um, and we, uh, bec- you know, we, we grew in friendship um, as, as we both started stepping into leadership with InterVarsity. Um, and throughout 
my four years in college, there was a lot of significant events that our country was facing, um, in particular with, um, you know, uh, things happening with Black Lives Matters. Mm. Um, and for Constance, she is uh, uh, Nigerian-American, and all of these things were hitting her and um, in one way, and they were all, th- these events were hitting me in another way. And we we got to hash out a lot of things together and just process a lot of things together. And there were a lot of night long nights that had a lot of, you know, just like deep discussion or heated arguments, you could say, um, but also a lot of tears and a lot of love. And um, my friendship with her was really formative for me to, to take some of those significant steps into understanding what does my faith look like in the context of racial reconciliation and, 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 and the serious racial issues. Um, of, of our modern day, um, as well as like just thinking of friendship and how can conflict actually lead to deeper, more significant relationships and friendships. Um, and so I'm really glad that we actually get to live together here. She's doing her master's program at SCSU. Um, and that's, you know, we've been able to shape each other in, in new ways now, but that was really formative in college. Yeah. The covenant has, a. Uh an experience called Journey to Mosaic, and it's a, a racial righteous, uh, righteousness uh, experience where uh, you travel down to key places in the civil rights um, uh, era, and uh, you travel with someone of a different color, hmm. and you're learning together. Yeah. And uh, as, a, as a Caucasian, um, those are really... Uh, challenging and I mean it's it's challenging for both but uh, again uh, as a person coming from yeah. a Caucasian perspective it's a, a lot of learning that maybe we haven't always done yeah and so one of the things that I hear from you is just the the learning that that you have experienced by walking alongside someone and mm-hmm. and, and I think the value that I I I hear in your story is the value of having difficult conversations which I don't think is always a skill that we do very well, oh, promote very well. They're the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, you can say it's it's through difficult conversations that we are that the greatest things happen. But when, you know, the rubber hits the road, you have to make a hard decision about am I gonna lean into this d- difficult conversation? Am I gonna see uh, the humanity in this person? Am I gonna listen? Um, or am I going to choose to be comfortable and pull myself away? Um, and as you know, if you could say a white person, like I have, I often have the opportunity to pull myself away. Um, and that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. I have the opportunity to disengage. Whereas, um, a a lot of other folks, a lot of other minorities, they don't have that opportunity that this is just something that they have to face because it's a part of who they are. Um, which is a nuance that I don't think, especially as two Caucasians talking together, Mm. it's something that we just don't necessarily readily, uh, uh, realize that we have that opportunity to to disengage and move in a different direction. Yeah. And that's an element of privilege that sometimes goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm, definitely. That's a really powerful uh, reflection. I appreciate that you shared that. When you, um, if you were to go back to uh, younger Nicole, now you are <laughs> still quite young, but if yeah. you were to go to the even younger version even of younger. Nicole, what, uh, what nugget of wisdom would you pass on? Whether it be like the middle school Nicole or the... The high school Nicole. <sighs> yeah. What would you What would you share? What would you whisper in her ear? Oh man. Um, well, 
I think this is something that I'm like still very much figuring out in like really significant ways. And, and as a child, like, like you're, the problems you face in adulthood are probably just like seeds of problems in your childhood, you know? And so I'm still figuring this out, but I think I would say something to the effect of like, like perfection is like not the goal and like failure failure is like the process of life and so not to fear failure and not to fear um fear something being incomplete um or uh yeah yeah to to, to not Id- idolize perfection whether that's in my own character or in the things I accomplish um but to embrace opportunities to fail and not to be afraid of them and again, for those of you that are uh, Enneagram curious, um, <laughs> that was a textbook answer. Yeah, from I know, a, I know. One on the Enneagram. <laughs> That's why I wanted to put that seed <laughs> in there, like just so you guys, all the cards are on the table. <laughs> and I think, I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, one of the, the the scenarios even of this past weekend is that when we did our, uh, and you don't know this, so I'm, I'm throwing this on you, but um, when we uh, recorded the service on Saturday, you had a lot of really good constructive feedback. But it kind of threw me into a tailspin for, and, and I don't oh mean that gosh, in a negative way. No, it, it, I would call it a, a positive tailspin in the sense of like, all right, so how do I, how do I make this better? Because again, I'm a recovering uh, one. Oh, and, okay. uh, and so I'm yeah. also trying to figure out like, how do I navigate? I can't drag you into my perfectionism. <laughs> I gotta be careful of that. Well, we, we spoke each other's, <laughs> you know, quote unquote, Enneagram love language there. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so I need to do some things to make this better because again, I have a very, you know, high standard. And uh, so uh, again, I mean this yeah. in a very positive way because it was good for me to process. And I think, I think Sunday was better than, than Saturday because you helped me think through some things and helped me process through it some more. Yeah, just so everyone knows, the, the two tables, that was my idea. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the first round, we had everything on one table, and you couldn't see anything. <laughs> so you're welcome. Yes, yes. Thank you, Nicole, for, for making that better. All right, so let's move to, you've alluded to this already, that you have a unique faith uh, journey. Uh, and I know a little bit of this about you. You came from a predominantly Catholic context. Yep, yeah. And then you came to uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, and that was a place where you encountered, um, I, you know, I, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but mm-hmm. a, a pretty powerful personal encounter with, with yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you give us a little bit more about what that, uh, both the background, but then also the, the process of uh, really having that personal encounter there? Yeah, well, growing up... Um, Church was kind of just like a side piece of life. Like we only went to mass when my mom wasn't working. <laughs> and so Saturday night we'd kind of like find sneaky ways to ask her like, so are you working tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And we obviously were crossing our fingers that she was working and that we'd be able to have Sunday morning to ourselves. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, most, most Sundays we, we went to, to church um, and it was just something we did. There wasn't a lot of conversation around God or Jesus um, at home. I I have some memories of us trying to do like a family, um, uh, what is it called, the Advent wreath. And so those were some of the memories I can think back of like, okay, I see, I see where that, that was playing into my family life a little bit. But mostly, you know, it was just like faith in God just happened 
when we walked into this building. And then we went home. We just could kind of go on with our regular fun life. Um, and so going into college, I had zero concept for and, and like I had zero desire to like to pursue church. I, I don't think it was an active like I'm now making the decision to not go to church, but it was just a really passive like ah, it's not that important. I don't see how that affects my life. And so I wasn't even thinking about it. Um, and so I probably if, if I hadn't encountered the people that I encountered in college, I definitely would have just fallen away from mm -hmm. from faith in general. Um, but yeah, so pretty early on. Um, I met some really fun people in my dorm. They were actually were upperclassmen. Mm -hmm. And so students that, you know, made the choice to live in these really not great dorms mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of like meeting freshmen and caring for freshmen and just being an alternative uh, source of fun in the dorms that didn't involve partying or drinking or, or, or drugs or anything like that. Um, and I definitely had some assumptions about what college would look like. Um, and from my sisters, I had assumptions of like, okay, partying and getting into that scene, that's just what happens. And from the movies I grew up watching, right. it's like right. there's no other image of college yep. that you get <laughs> besides that. And so I was really relieved to find people that like knew how to have fun in other ways, you know, and I didn't have to have to go, go down that road if, if I didn't want to. Um, and, uh, pretty quickly, I also found out that they were Christians, and and uh, through just spending time together, um, I could just tell that they really cared about this stuff, and that they um, that they enjoyed at like having deep conversations. They were really authentic and sincere. Of like they they didn't pretend to have it all together. They actually were pretty quick to be like, yeah, I don't understand that. I want to understand that. You want to look into that together, um, and. So I, I was hanging out with these folks, but I was not going to a Bible study. <laughs> I was like, eh, that doesn't mm -hmm. sound fun. I had some pretty, um, I think at the time I felt like there were traumatic experiences uh, in high school with Bible studies because I was not a great reader. Hmm. And I, um, you know, you're have to read this King James translation of the Bible right. and it's just like ready go and you stumble your way through it and it's so embarrassing and so that's like my only concept of Bible study that I had um, but it was probably three weeks of just spending time with with a few of these these folks that I eventually was like okay you guys keep on inviting me to this thing I'll go and from that very first Bible study I was like oh this is different mm. this is fun this is intriguing um, because we were looking at scripture in a way that I never thought was possible where we were asking like asking real questions that we were digging into like what's going on here what what's the significance of what's going on here what and, and like asking questions that I learned how to ask in in like my AP lit class in high school of like all right what was the author trying to say to his original audience okay and I was like this is I I can do this right. um and then it wasn't until we got to like the personal application questions at the end of the bible study where I was like oh Oh, this is this is hidden something inside of me. Yeah, I'm. I, I feel like I'm missing something here, um, and so it was a mixture of 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 encountering scripture in in a very real and significant way, as well as being surrounded by a community of people that were were sincerely 
following Jesus and desiring to follow Jesus and, and doing that with, with their whole being. Um, and so, yeah, so, uh, a f- probably like two months into, c- into my freshman year, I had the opportunity to make my own decision to follow Jesus and my inner varsity community, um, had a bonfire and Mm. brought out a cake i was standing on a table and we were all singing happy birthday i was like oh it's someone's birthday it's like happy birthday to you Mm. and then everyone's like to nicole (laughs) and i'm like oh what's going on and this is for me (laughs) okay um and so that was that was pretty um sweet of them to do that for me Mm. but yeah that's great it's a great story and even before we recorded i mean you just you talked about reflecting that time that you're at UMD where you just love Jesus. Like it just, it was something that you just knew in your soul that this is the thing that you wanted mm-hmm. to commit your life to. Mm-hmm. And not just, and it wasn't just like your, your personal life. It became, uh, it became a call. It became a piece of, of what you felt vocationally, you know, you were called to yeah. do. Nicole, when you, um, We've asked every person who has been in your chair to speak about hope. And what does hope look like for you, the hope of Christ? And you can answer that. I mean, I don't know if it's a, if it's in the context of how has hope shaped your life or um, how it is a part of your daily life. But I'm just curious. Like, give me, a, give, me, give me a Nicole version of the hope of Christ in your life. Yeah. Um I have experienced hope, well, just looking into my story, um, just in the ways in which God has come around me and has been a comforter and my my guide uh, in life um, and really, really shaping, shaping the desires of my heart. Like I came into college, for instance, with a whole different set of desires. And, and as I was falling more in love with Jesus, like God totally reshaped those desires around who he is and and his purpose for the whole world. And so I experience abundant hope being invited into that purpose, um, that my life isn't just about pursuing my own heart and 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 making myself happy. Um, and it's it's about pursuing my creator, pursuing my king mm-hmm. and and uh being invited into this global mission of God to restore and redeem all of creation. And so, yeah, and, and, and that was what was hitting me in my call into to, to, to ministry was that I was just so in love with, with being a part of what God was doing on campus that I was like, I just want to keep doing this. <laughs> and so let me come on staff. Um, and, 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 and today, being here in St. Cloud and getting to get to know a whole different campus um, that really has a whole different culture than what UMD was like. Um, SCSU is so wonderful um, and and has its own set of sweet things and its own set of challenges. Um, and I get to see hope every time I encounter a student and I know this student is in a particular place in their own life story um, and that God is meeting them and and I get to be a piece of that mm-hmm. of their story of of how the Lord is is calling them into something bigger than themselves um, and 
you don't always get to see the fruit of campus ministry. Like sometimes you plant some seeds Mm -hmm. and you just have to trust that God is walking with, with that student and trust that, that he's going to keep doing something in their life because you don't get to be that person for them. But, um, sometimes you do get to see the fruit of that. And Mm -hmm. so that gives me abundant hope as well. Um, to see pieces of the kingdom coming together right before my eyes. So I started my college, uh, went to, to Bethel for two years, and then I finished up at North Park, which is the Covenants denominational school. And uh, and in my first church, we I remember doing a Sunday school kind of forum on kind of Christian higher ed. And um, I remember there was a there was a conversation that had become heated at one point just about the value of Christian education versus public education when it comes to perpetuating the Christian faith. Mm. And um, and I remember at the time that I didn't have a large enough lens to look at discipleship. Um, I was maybe looking at more myopically in terms of, well, Christian schools, of course, that's going to be this this breeding ground for, for discipleship. And I think that especially... I mean, you know, it's happened since then, but especially since I've been here in St. Cloud, where we have crew that is officing in our building and spending time with you and, and Kirsten, um, just to see the genuine discipleship that is taking place on public campuses. And I'm so I'm just really deeply grateful for, for InterVarsity. I'm grateful for crew and Chi Alpha and the other ministries. Um, but just even just hearing your heart for discipleship and hope to me is such an encouragement mm. and I didn't have, I didn't get, that wasn't even my vocabulary years ago. Um, and I'm so grateful that there's this rich tapestry that's, that's actually taking place on our campuses. Yeah. The public university. I mean, I'm all for private school and Christian education, like really great. Um, but there, like, there is nothing to fear <laughs> when it comes to the public schools. Yeah. And I think some, some people approach, um, Yeah. A school like SCSU with maybe fear of like, oh my goodness, if I send my child there, they're going to lose their faith. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yep. Like public university is just a microcosm of the whole world. And you get to see that. And that is beautiful. And, and you, your, your children get to experience putting their faith into action in a context that's very real uh, to what the rest of the world looks like, <laughs> that people are going to disagree. Um, people are going to be very different th- from you. Um, but friendship still persists and that there is there's hope in that and God is God is working powerfully in those those things. Yeah. And that's a narrative that I just don't think we speak to enough. And so, again, I appreciate you've given voice to that because that that is really that is really important. So I, I really appreciate that. My last question this is going to, where we're going to land this uh, this morning or this afternoon is um, how is this pandemic that we're in? How has it impacted you? How has it shaped your hope? Um, that you have for for Hope Covenant and for the church as a whole, as a larger a- entity. So it's it's kind of a twofold. I'm curious, how has this this virus impacted you? Um, impacted your ministry, and also like how does it shape the way you think about the action and the work of the church? Well, on a personal level, I have accomplished something really significant in my life in this season. I have stopped biting my nails. Wow. Yeah. It's like, so that's a big way this pandemic has impacted me. I'm really curious. 
cup of oh no yeah no i have had like that's been my worst most disgusting <laughs> habit and you don't know how many new year's resolutions and uh lents have been wasted on on this hope of stopping to bite my nails and all you needed it, was a pandemic yeah global pandemic that's all i needed no <laughs> so that's been one good thing um yeah, no, this this has definitely been an interesting season um, for me. I'm, I'm really grateful that my work is flexible and, and I, I feel very privileged to be able to stay home and continue working and continue the ministry at home. I know a lot of people don't, that's that's not an option for them. Um, and so that's that's been really great. Um, as an extrovert, I've definitely had to wrestle with my own um, loneliness and just the struggle of not being able to see the people that I want to see. Um, so I'm really grateful that I've been able to help out here at Hope. Um, Constance very often, like I'll do something really weird at our in our apartment and she'll be like, quarantine with an extrovert. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we're figuring out those things. Um, I think it's been a time of deeper intimacy with God um, that I think we've created or we give ourselves a lot of excuses not to have like even just like prayer in the morning or, or, or reading scripture for ourselves in the morning. Um, even as a campus minister, I think those are some of the habits that I have been inconsistent in, um, in different seasons. And, and so here taking that really seriously of like, all right, I'm not quarantined alone. I like Jesus is with me in this. And, and how is, how is he shaping me through this? And so that's been a question that's been on the forefront of my mind, um, in my prayers. Um, yeah, ministry, moving ministry online has gone pretty well. Um, I think students are really hungry to connect. Um, I think some, stu- some students, um, this is a significant time of really understanding what their faith is for and that, that their walk with Jesus isn't just about the good times or the easy times, but this is when it becomes real for them. And so uh, really trying to create spaces online for for my students to wrestle with that for themselves and to take yeah take discipleship to a different level where um we ask the hard questions about okay how does suffering play into our walk with jesus what does jesus call us to in suffering and and i think that's that's one of my hopes for our church as well and for for our global church is that we would yeah that we would uh, get a more robust theology around suffering, around lament, around um, entering into the brokenness and the pain of this world. Um, because so much of our energy, especially like in America, is spent on avoiding suffering and uh, avoiding discomfort. But right now, this is unavoidable. Yeah, you, can't um, get out of it. you can't get out of it. And and we're all experiencing this together. And so there's a sense of like, okay, this isn't just about me, but there is a worldwide problem happening, hardship happening. Um, and so are we going to just fight for ourselves or are we going to come together and support one another? Um, are our communities going to mean something more than just something to do on Sunday morning? Or is it actually going to be a fellowship of, of saints united together? Yeah. Well, I was, just, I was even thinking as you were saying that, that um, uh, and Rachel actually just bought the book. It just showed up today. Uh, the book Wide Awake, and in that book, uh, they talk about how kind of the the predominantly Caucasian. I'm going to say IVP book, by the way, <laughs> InterVarsity Press. There you go. <laughs> but he talks about that the the predominantly white church does not have a great theology of lament. Hmm. In fact, it has embraced predominantly a, a very tr- kind of triumphantism 
and it's and it's the way that it per- kind of perpetuates the gospel. Yeah. And that uh, that in other contexts, um, predominantly again minority or, or uh, you know people of color context, uh, faith context, there's a much richer um, kind of language for lament. And uh, that is one area that uh, we have a lot of uh, room to grow. Yeah, so yeah, I, I feel that. So I join you in the opportunity that this can be to learn. Again, I think about Philippians. We were just talking about this beforehand. Just that when Paul says, "I'm in chains for Christ," like, depending on your context, how do you how do you engage that? Hmm. Um, is it a, is it an, an exceptionalism? Is it a like? Um, is it a temporary deal of discomfort or is it a mindset of saying, uh, how does the gospel continue to thrive even in, in less than, than uh, desirable conditions? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, to, a lot to process there. And I really, I appreciate that reflection. So Nicole, one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on this story's hope is also just to say thank you for, uh, and this is, this is pre pandemic. Um, just the, the ways that you have invested at Hope. Um, you are on the, on the missions uh, team. You help in a, a number of other capacities. You know, you've done s- sound stuff. I mean, I, w- I can't even, I, I don't even want to put the list together because I know I'm going to miss something that you <laughs> well, have, thank been a, you. have been a part of. <laughs> but just acknowledging that uh, even during this pandemic season, just the help with the live streaming has been instrumental and and knowing that we're training you in on some other areas too, when when various people have to move on to summer jobs, so again, I'm just very grateful for the way you've invested at Hope and and plugged in, and, and you are, you're a gift to me, and you're a gift to this church. So we're we're grateful. Well, thank you, and yeah, this this church has been wonderful. I've felt like, um, you know, moving to St. Cloud was you know you, moving to a city you didn't know anyone and so uh finding a home here at hope has been just such a gift and there's been so many people that have reached out to me and that have seen me and um and invited me into their lives and so um especially as a single woman it's it's just wonderful to be able to have a large family here in St. Cloud and it's always good to do life with people who are from the great city of Rochester. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. There's, it's good that we can reconnect. <laughs> All right, so this is Stories of Hope. Uh, this is the Monday after Easter, and uh, Hope Covenant, we will be checking in uh, with you soon. And as always, see you Sunday. <laughs>